This is the Plant Yourself Podcast. I'm Howard Jacobson of PlantYourself.com. This morning, Justin Lacey posted his workout on Facebook. It's a total distance, 10 and a half miles, total time, 159 minutes. And he commented, I wanted to do 13.1, which is a half marathon, but pain and some limping happened after 7.5 mile mark. Pretty sure I could have prepped better, but still a new PR, which is personal record. Hurting, but it's all good. Recover, repeat. So a lot of folks in my running community could have posted something like that. But what makes us all the more remarkable is that two years ago, Justin Lacey weighed 500 pounds and could move about only on crutches when he could move about at all. He had tendinitis and lymphedema. It made standing painful and walking all but impossible. Then his mother had a stroke, and then 30-year-old Justin decided he was going to make changes and get healthy no matter what. Now, this was not Justin's first attempt. He'd been yo-yo dieting for decades, but this time he believed he would be able to succeed only if he had access to the right information. And that information came about accidentally when he started messaging with an admin on some Facebook page he had joined while flailing about looking for a solution. And the admin says, what brought you to a plant-based lifestyle? And Justin said, a what-based what? He had no clue what she was talking about. So imagine someone's on your Facebook site and they're there because they want to get better and they've never heard of a plant-based diet. Man, you'd be like a pig in shit. And so is she. So she told him about McDougal, a McDougal video on the starch solution, forks over knives, and now Justin is on the trail of optimal human nutrition like a bloodhound who's just had a whiff of a stinky sock. And at the same time as he's devouring veg source videos and books and interviews by doctors Esselstyn, Campbell, and Furman, he keeps going, this can't possibly be right. So Justin's turnaround and the roller coaster journey that brought him where he is now are the subjects of today's conversation. So without further ado... Justin Lacey, welcome to the Plant Yourself podcast. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. You're you're very welcome. I'm very excited for the conversation. So why don't we why don't we jump right in and like t- tell us a little bit about your your journey, like where where you've been. <laughs> well, um, a couple of years ago, I was a little over 500 pounds, and uh, I had to use crutches to get up and move around and half the time I couldn't even do that so I uh, luckily found health and uh, a plant-based lifestyle and uh, now I'm uh, 250 pounds less and way healthier and uh, way more active than I used to be so that's a brief brief description of flow. I mean, it's a lot more detail than that. But. Let's go. In, let's go into the detail. I, I love that you start out briefly. Is that uh, yeah? Now we can we can sort of explore that. That kind of paints the picture for everybody of the the terrain we're going to cover today. So, yeah. how'd you get to five hundred pounds? Um, who knows? I mean, it was a an accumulation of lots of bad stuff. Um, I've been big my whole life. Um, pretty much from being a toddler and a, a young kid to a teenager, I've always been really heavy set. Um, I guess I just uh, always found food as my comfort, I guess. And your whole life, you never really think about yourself being 
addicted to something like food because, you know, you never want to say that because it's, you know, it's food. But I'm thinking that was pretty much the main culprit, you know, especially when you get older and start making your own money. Well, I can go buy what I want. And if health isn't your first thing in your mind, then you're thinking about, you know, pleasurable stuff. So you're going towards the pizza and the burgers and just over the years that accumulates. I, I tell people a lot that I, I had a really, really good calorie collection. <laughs> and uh, luckily, I've uh, I've learned to, to lose that collection. So. Yes, it's funny that, we, you know, it, saying you have a food addiction could almost sound like, hey, I have, you know, I have an oxygen addiction or something like that. Like, of course we need. Food. Yeah. So when when you were a kid, um, first of all, um, do you mind saying how, how old you are? Just so we have a, a sense of the trajectory. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I was going to say 31, but I actually just had a birthday about uh, 12 days ago or so. So I'm actually 32 now. Oh, happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. So you were a, a heavy set toddler and young kid, and did you get grief because of that, or was it like cool or normal, or were you like you know athletic or a football player, or how, you know how did you how did you no, to your side? I mean, yeah, well, I mean, I, I tried to play a couple of sports here and there, you know, maybe some soccer when I was you know in elementary school, maybe some some baseball, but I was really never in to the athletic stuff because. I was always out of shape for it, and I always thought, well, there's no way I could, you know, do what those other kids are doing because I'm I'm heavy, and, you know, I, I get out of breath way easier than they do. And so I was I was very sedentary throughout pretty much my whole life. You know, PE was dreadful, and running track was awful, and all the other kids seemed to not have as big of an issue of, you know, moving like I did. So, yeah, I was never really really active when I was younger or even when I was older. Mm-hmm. And how, how about within your family? Was, was, uh, was that normal to be heavy set, or were you an outlier? Well, well, I do have a lot of, uh, heavier people in my family. Um, I have a lot of athletes and a lot of, uh, healthier slim people in my family too. You know, people who have, you know, been in the, the military are my, my brothers, you know, they were, they were athletes. They played football and, my uh, older brother played basketball, and he was in the military. Both my brothers were in the military, but but yeah, I guess I got the the food loving genes <laughs> instead of the athletic ones. Uh, were Were you the oldest? No, I was the middle son. I have a younger brother and an older brother. Got it. So you're you're heavy set throughout, and but it sounds like there's things you can't do. You know, or, or you're you're not so into yeah. like running and PE, but that's that's kind of a far yeah. cry from 500 pounds and disabled on crutches. So at what at what point did things start to really like spiral out of control? Was there was there a point, or was it just sort of a gradual progression? I I definitely think it was a gradual progression. Um, you know, starting young and you are already kind of heavy. You know. I was looking at diet books at, at a young age, you know, 12, 13 years old. I was looking at low-carb diets and reading books by, you know, Dr. Eads and Dr. Adkins. And so I would, you know, go on these low-carb diets and lose 50 pounds and gain 70, lose 100, gain 110. And I think that was the biggest downfall. And I think that was the beginning of the spiraling because it just kept on yo-yoing and I never really 
health, you know, I was always like, well, we've got to get the weight off no matter what. And that caused the negative reactions of, oh, God, now i got to gorge myself or, you know, whatever people do whenever they yo-yo diet. And uh, that just that just kept on getting higher and higher and higher in and, and weight, and it just it just happened. Wow. I'm trying to imagine myself at, at your age, like taking even just taking responsibility for what I ate. Like to me, it's, it's, it's I can't even comprehend like being 12 years old, though, in seventh grade <laughs> and, and like deciding on a way I was going to eat. That's I mean, I'm, I'm pretty impressed. Like, yeah. Even if you were doing, you know, protein power and, and Atkins <laughs> still like, yeah. what was that like? Did you like tell your parents or were you like cooking for yourself or pushing food to the side? What does it look like? <laughs> to go on a diet when you're living at home and you're 12 years old? Well, it's a long time ago, but I don't really remember all what happened. But I do remember getting Protein Power. I remember that book, and I remember, you know, reading it. And, uh, you know, I started learning stuff about, like, ketosis when I was, like, really young, which is kind of crazy for a young person to do. But I think, you know, I would just eat more, you know, meat, you know, more eggs and more you know, bologna instead of the bread and 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 stuff like that. And I don't know. I really don't remember telling my parents about any of that stuff. I think it was just a a private matter, which a lot of, you know, overweight people kind of feel like they have that self-burden. And even at a young age, you know, even kids these days, you know, probably don't reach out to their parents for, you know, obesity problems because... You know, whereas, uh, you know, not people are, you know, other people usually don't feed you. So, yeah, I, I pretty much, uh, I guess I just kept it to myself when I was young because uh, I really don't remember. Did you get any messages from your family or from maybe teachers or people in the community that you're, there was a problem with your weight? Well, I think uh, throughout my whole life, people would always try to let me know. You know, you'd go see the nurse at at school or you go to the doctor for an issue. And that was always like the the number one topic because, well, that's the source of most health issues, you know, being obese or eating the stuff that I used to eat. So, yeah, I would, uh, I would, you know, I don't think it was uh, known, like let known to me that, that it was uh, as important as it was. Um, but, uh. Yeah, I'm not really sure. Um, yeah, I think I think that's pretty much it. I I, uh, I think I was probably harder on myself about the health issues than anyone else, but I still never took action. If I did take action, it was always that same yo-yo, you know, diet approach. Well, I mean, it it sounds to me, you know, given what you knew. And what like like you were you were taking some massive action like to lose fifty pounds or to lose ninety pounds. Yeah. See, like 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 you were really committed. Like what what like what do you remember? What would go wrong? Would you keep eating the way you were eating and then it would creep back up? Or <coughs> you sustain it? Like what was your experience on these high protein diets? Well, I think it was always the same thing. Like every single time, it was like almost insanity because I would, I would lose, you know, a little bit of weight and I don't know what happened to make me stop. I don't know if it's because maybe I was just tired of trying 
or maybe because my body wanted something besides just meat all the time. Maybe it was actually wanting what it needed, you know, nutrients and fiber. So maybe that was it. Maybe just I stopped doing that and just kind of went towards the process. You know, even though that I was, you know, reading all this stuff, the health thing really never clicked for some reason in my brain. I was never, like, wanting to be healthy. Like, I didn't care what it took. I just wanted to be not overweight, you know, because it caused so many, you know, other issues in my life. So, yeah. All right. So, so at some point, did you give up because these diets were, weren't, weren't working or they were yo-yoing and you were like, you know, what's the point? Yeah. Yeah. Well, like I guess I'm not really sure, uh, what I mean, I think if we can realize that answer, then I mean that's the key for most people. Is like, why do people not stick with certain diets? I think maybe it was just, uh, you know, throughout eating the same stuff. Like you know, people go on low carb diets to eat like eggs for breakfast and you know other meats and you know broccoli for lunch. And I think people get tired of. Well, me personally, I was getting tired of always eating those same you know, things all the time, and my body would crave processed foods and and carbs and more fats, you know. I think it was just uh, I was depriving myself of of a lot of things, and maybe after so much time of doing that, your body just says, well, you know, I'm just going to eat some pizza, you know. I It's only so long I can eat eggs and bologna, you know. <laughs> gotcha. So you think it was it was, it, and I, I'm I'm wondering in your, in your mind, you know, I hear this from a lot of people that they go on these low carb diets, which are kind of incompatible with our biology, but they they do really well for a while, right? Part partly mm-hmm. because the, the food is so boring, partly because they're losing water weight and they're cutting out the processed food, but then. Because it's so opposed to our biology, it's almost like telling someone, you know, stop going, you know, stop peeing. At a certain point, yeah, you can't stop yourself. And I'm wondering if at that point you were like, you know, well, these diets don't work, or I lack willpower. I can't stick with it. There's something wrong with me. Well, I think another really large issue is that you know the diets work. The the low carb, you know, it, it works. You know, you will lose body fat, but just like with any other drug or like cigarettes or alcohol, as soon as you give yourself something like processed breads or carbs after doing something like that, your body starts craving it again. So, you know, you're doing the low-carb thing for, you know, months, and then that one time you start eating some bread or, you know, something like that, then it, it starts kicking in, oh, that's that's way more pleasurable. So. I'm thinking maybe that like, is like the spark that stops it all. You know what I mean? Like you start eating something, and then your body craves it, and so you just keep on doing it, and then you kind of just forget about the whole low-carb thing. And you're like, ah, this is way more enjoyable. And it just kind of just falls off because you introduced it to your body. Yeah. So, so what, was, what was your self-interpretation of like why, why this, why you? Did you have, did you have a... A kind of a theory? Well, 
throughout my whole life, you know, you just figured it's, uh, I don't know. It's always like a willpower thing. You always think, well, you know, I just don't have the willpower to do it, you know? And then later I kind of realized, well, that maybe that's not it. I think it's just, uh, I was, I was being scammed by <laughs> all the stuff out there. You know, people think they need more protein. People think they need to watch their carbs. And so you have this mindset your whole life of one thing, and then later you find out stuff that's completely opposite of that. So I think it's just an, a culmination of all of that, really. So let's let's kind of fast forward to like getting to 500 pounds and being on crutches. What what happened? Well, um, again with the yo-yo dieting, it would be. I'd be at 350 pounds. I'd go up to 380. I'd go up to 410. I'd go up to 450. And then you realize you, you're seeing this happen, you know, and you start off getting some foot pain here and there, and it's just like, oh, you know, maybe I twisted my ankle or something. Not even being conscious of, oh, maybe it's because I'm 450 pounds, but maybe maybe it's something happened to my foot or, you know. And... I don't know, towards the end, and I think the losing it and gaining it back was probably one of the most detrimental effects towards me getting to 500, mm. but I, I would try to always do like a weight loss competition, because I figured, you know, I have so much weight to lose, let's try to win a prize doing it, you know, I was just had a weird mentality years ago, but, you know, and I would do it, and I would lose 100 pounds, but then again, I would always gain it back, and, uh, this last time I, I did a little local health little competition with a little group of people and I did it for just a short period and I just I just stopped it. I just kinda went off the deep end I think and I was eating a lot of bad stuff. I mean I'd go eat a whole large pizza and, you know, seven to eight burgers at a place, you know, it was really bad and then my my foot would just always be in pain all the time. And then my, my my left leg would actually swell to be twice the size of my right leg. And uh, so that started really worrying me, that my leg was extremely large and swollen. And uh, that was lymphedema. And I was, like, leaking lymph fluid out of my left leg. And so that was a worrisome thing. And my ankles and my feet were always, you know, in pain because of uh, tendonitis. And uh, just all these health issues started just accumulating and I just got annoyed. So I was like, well, we got to stop this. You know, I'm tired of this whole 20 years of up and down. I got to do this. But, you know, I think it finally just enough was enough. And I made, I made the decision to finally just say, this is it. I'm curious about your, the, you said that, like the weight loss competition, like almost like let's win a prize. It almost, it sounds like you were kind of like, like the way someone would say, well, you know, I'm a triathlete, so I'm going to go compete. It's like there was an identity around your, your ability to lose a hundred pounds whenever you wanted to, you know, just yeah. to, to, you know, to, to win the competition. Yeah. Yeah. That, that actually is a, a, a good point. You know, I, I knew I could always lose weight because I was really good at it because I've been doing it my whole life. I was a professional dieter. <laughs> And, 
you know, I lost 100 pounds, you know, multiple times. Like three plus times I'd lose it and gain more back. But uh, I just think my mentality was 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 weird. I think it was just uh, – I, I think that I needed to focus on health because that's what happened this time. Health was my number one focus versus weight or anything else. You know, numbers and pant size, none of that stuff mattered this time. I just wanted to be healthy and not sick. So that had a huge impact on on this time versus all the other times. So, Cass, what what um, what were you doing, sort of, you know, life and career wise, while you were yo-yoing and um, you know, gradually getting up to five hundred pounds? Well, uh, career wise, I I had a, a multitude of jobs, but uh, every job I would this actually had a a big impact on on things too. But every job that I tried to get in my life. It always seemed to be gravitated towards some sitting position because I was a very heavy set guy. I couldn't stand on my feet all day long, so I was either, you know, sitting down at a. I was a graphic designer for a while, which you know sat at the desk. I was at a call center for a while, which I could sit down at a desk. Or <laughs> I uh, did a. I managed a, a finance company for a little while, where I sat at a desk. So, yeah, career-wise. Um, I was always choosing something that didn't make me have to do any physical activity, which, you know, looking back is it's sad because, you know, you shouldn't have to pick a job because your your body won't let you do it, you know. That's just, it's not cool. Mm. All right. So you said t- two years ago is when you began your your quest for health. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, right at right at the beginning of 2015. So what what was the spark? Well, I think it was a accumulation of things, but uh, I think mainly I was really tired of not being able to walk. That really got to me. But to probably trump that, my my mother had a stroke shortly before. I'm thinking maybe a year, year and a half. Or I'm not sure when it was maybe two years before that. And just knowing that, you know, maybe her lifestyle choices caused her to have a stroke, that really made me look at health. And then my issues with my, my you know, ankles and feet and my leg and, and a bunch of other stuff, all that started to get to me. And just the whole lifetime of, of imprisonment, you know, self-imprisonment in this, this obese body of mine, that just, just all of it kind of just hit me like a truck. And beginning, beginning in 2015, I just said, you know what, this is it. No more until the day I die. I promise I will be as healthy as I can be every single second of my life. And, and I, uh, I tend to keep my promise. So where did you go for, for correct information? Cause you know, in 2000, I guess, you know, when you were, you know, 12, 12 years old, you know, in the late nineties, it was all about yeah. weight loss, but paleo has become much yeah. more sophisticated. And there's a lot of people who are doing paleo and things like that for, for health. And so I'm curious, like how you discovered a different way of eating. Was it some, you know, somebody said something or a book or a, or a documentary, like how did you get to this particular solution? 
Well, um, it's uh, actually pretty interesting. I uh, Beginning of 2015, I kind of made that you know stance, and shortly after that, I started incorporating more smoothies just because I'd see them on TV all the time. And uh, I was actually I was actually doing the low carb thing at the beginning of 2015, which I didn't like, but I knew that uh, it was a starting point for me because I knew I needed to to start doing something because it was just you know enough was enough. And then around May, uh, beginning of May of 2015, I started just adding myself to multiple groups on Facebook of just you know health groups. You know I didn't know exactly what. I was looking for. I just wanted to see what other people were doing and eating. And then luckily I found a group and uh the admin, um, her name was Deborah, and uh every time I think of this lady I kinda get choked up because she she changed my life. But she sent me a video. Well first she sent me a couple of, of messages saying, Hey, welcome to the group. What uh, brought you to a plant-based lifestyle? And I had no idea what she was talking about. I said, well, I'm not plant-based, but I was just learning a couple things about, you know, recipes. And and she's uh, we started talking about my health issues. And she sent me a video of Dr. John McDougal on stage. And I watched it. And I was like, what? People are losing weight off of eating potatoes and rice. So... That sparked my interest, and then I watched the movie Forks Over Knives, and immediately after that movie, I just went on a research frenzy. I was like, there's no way this is this is real. So, <laughs> so I started really, really looking into all of the doctors. I mean, every single one, you know, the guy you know, T. Colin Campbell, I saw you, you know, you had some work with him, which is awesome. You know, all of Esselstyn's uh, work. Furman, like all these doctors, I would just like really, really look into what they were preaching. And it was just a no-brainer for me. You know, everything just made so much sense. And, you know, the beginning of June, I uh, I did a short 10-day water fast, which I was an avid water faster for years, probably since college. I was always into water fasting, mainly for weight loss. But I went plant-based after that 10-day water fast, and that's pretty much what sparked it all is, is that one message from that lady watching that movie and, uh, you know, started off eating uh, a, lot, a lot of processed stuff, you know, transitional foods like veggie burgers and veggie hot dogs, but, you know, we just started getting cleaner and cleaner and cleaner, and then just the weight started coming off. Oh, so what, what, at what point did you... Did you know it was working? Like it was, it felt like, you know, you'd lost a hundred pounds, as you said, three or more times in the past. What made you, what made you realize like, this is different? Well, I think right off the bat, whenever I started eating that way, my digestion, and it was kind of weird because the first thing that I really noticed was like, wow, I... I'm not, like, stopped up anymore. Like, I can actually kind of be regular. And that's one of the things that oddly hooked me to stick with the diet. Um, but I I never weighed myself in the beginning. Like, I didn't care about numbers. I didn't care about weight, anything like that. So I didn't even weigh myself. I just knew that it would work. Something told me that it was going to work because, you know, I knew fruits and vegetables were going to be pretty healthy. But... Um, I just slowly started feeling 
really good. Like, I, the, you know, you go from eating a lot of junky foods to eating a lot of clean, nutritious, you know, carbohydrates. I had an extremely high amount of energy. So that that was a big thing that I noticed, and it, it also helped hook me in. And uh, I think it was sometime around November, I think, I weighed myself for the first time, and uh, I stepped on the scale, and I thought the scale was broke because it said, uh, what was it, 365? So I had to wake my brother up, and I like made him get on the scale. I was like, man, you have to see if this is right because there's no way this is correct. So he stepped on it, and he said, it. yeah, everything's right. And so I was like, wow, I lost 135 pounds, and that was the first time I weighed myself. And uh, that right there was, I mean, I knew it was... Six months. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I started, you know, eating low-carb and more smoothies and more stuff at the beginning of the year. But uh, I think the plant-based in June was really what, you know, really kick-started the weight loss. Right. Now, you must have realized you were losing weight, like, unless you were, like, just wearing, like, bathrobes and towels, right? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I noticed. I noticed it. You know, I could definitely see it. Um, I just didn't really know how much it was. But you know, you can notice your pants getting bigger, your shirt getting a little bit. Well, I mean, they stay the same size. But you know, I was getting smaller. But uh, I don't know. It was kind of a, a self denial thing because you know, if you don't weigh yourself, you're just thinking, well, you know. Maybe I lost a few pounds, but uh, right. when you're 500 pounds, it's actually kind of crazy how you can lose 50 pounds and you don't even notice the difference. Or you can lose 100 pounds and you're like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm still very, very obese. So I think being really, really big and then still losing 135 pounds, I still didn't like visually think about it. Uh-huh. But I think I think weighing myself really kind of just confirm it, and yeah, I just got better and better from there. Now, I'm sure you can identify with this, but there's people who are listening to this who are morbidly obese and who are listening right now and thinking, well, that's great for Justin, but I could never do that. And what, yeah. what and, you know, what, what did you actually do? And you said, you know, well, I, I made a promise to myself and I keep it. And that sounds great. But I know so many people who would kill to be able to say that truthfully. Like they don't know how, or they yeah. can't imagine it actually sticking in the face of temptation and social pressure. So, can you help us understand, like rubber meets the road? What the hell did you do to <laughs> to live up to your commitment? Well, I think wanting to be healthy is key, and I know that's way easier. All of this is way easier said than done. You know, it's it's not easy putting off your I'm going to say drugs, you know, it's it's not easy putting down the sodas and the pizzas because they're addictive, just like cigarettes and cocaine and all that stuff is. So I think people need to realize the health aspect of it, you know, that these things are super addictive and they hold you back from reaching your goal. And I mean, there's so many different epiphanies I've had and so many analogies I can I can say. Um but really it's you have to make that stance and and never ever let up. Because if you were like me and you've been there, 
on a diet and you've gained it back and you've gone another one, gained it back, you know that it's an insane, it's just an insane process. Like it just can't go on forever. And whatever people decide to do as far as a weight loss, you know, tool, it needs to be sustainable. And that's what a lot of people don't realize about the low carb diet, that you can't do that forever. You can't, you know, drink slim fast forever. You know, you, you have to find something that you can do every day for the rest of your life with, uh, with ease and comfort. And I think one thing that a lot of people have a misconception about is the food, you know, being plant-based doesn't mean I eat lettuce and carrots, you know, I eat lots of great stuff, you know, chili and pizzas. And if I want veggie burgers, I'll have them, you know, but, uh, there's so many different epiphanies that that I've had, and uh, I think the number one thing is uh, is wanting it. Like, and and like you said, it's way easier to say that than to actually continue to do it. You know, say to yourself, "I want to be healthy." But uh, I think once people start feeling good by the way that I eat, I eat now by the high energy, then that helps you move more. Because if you have more energy, you can kind of be more active. And that helps, that helps so much too, you know. It helps with more weight loss. It helps with, you know, feeling better. So there's really no easy answer. But uh, I think wanting it is probably key, I think. Beautiful. Did you find when you were transitioning away from the sodas and pizzas that you would slip up and, and, and binge on them a little bit, or was it like totally, you know, draw the line, never look back? Well, for me, I, uh, it was draw a line and don't look back because, you know, I, I made that, you know, I put my foot down and I was like, this is it. Like if it's unhealthy, I don't want it in my body. Like ever, like, like, even if it was, like, in my face and someone was going to pay me, it's like, you know, no. It's like, I'm not going to do that to myself again. I've been down that road so many times, I'm not going back. But I do have to say that it was a, a step-by-step process from the very beginning because the very beginning of 2015, I was uh, I quit smoking cigarettes because, you know, that was the very first thing that I stopped was cigarettes. And I wouldn't drink any more alcohol. Well, I wasn't really a big drinker at all, but... You know, I liked having a few beers here and there, and uh, so I didn't drink. I didn't smoke. So those were the first two things that I cut out. And then uh, sodas were just uh, – I never really drank many sodas um, around that time because I was always trying to just give them up, so I was like, you know, I'll just drink water. So that wasn't a big deal for me. Um, I was kind of big on coffee for a while because, you know, it was highly energetic. So I, I cut out all caffeine, and uh, I just started cutting out all these things – that, that contributed to bad health. If it had any association with inflammation, um, any kind of stimulants that were addictive, anything that spiked blood sugar, I started just systematically cutting it out. And uh, over the past two years, it's just been getting cleaner and cleaner and cleaner. And now, you know, the only thing that I put in my mouth is whole fruit, whole vegetables, whole grains and whole beans and water. You know, no salt, no oils, no sugar, none of that stuff. And uh, it took a while to get to this point, but it's just knowing 
what is healthy and what's not and why. I think that's huge. The the knowledge of why animal products cause harm or why, you know, processed foods or sodas, why they spike your blood sugar level and why they spike your neurotransmitters, you know, dopamine and serotonin, you know. So I think knowing that these things cause detrimental effects is important, you know, and luckily I've cut them all out. But uh, you can't really, I can't self be, you know, be gullible and say I'm never going to do anything again, like have a beer or have some processed food because, you know, I'm human, you know, and, and someone said to me recently that, you know, addiction is a lifelong battle and, and that's true. You know, every, every day I wish I could go get some McDonald's or <laughs> little Caesars, but I know that if I go that route, I'm going to go back to where I was and that's never going to happen again. Like I don't want that to happen, but it's always there, you know, always wanting it is there. Right. And, you know, a lot of people that I see in different groups on Facebook and, and some, you know, students, when they first come to me, they feel like that's a problem that, that has to be solved first. Like, you know, there's like just today I saw someone posting about like, when do the cravings go away? And of course, you know, there's, there's like, you know, the craving that kind of grabs you by the short and curlies and, and feels like, you know, an ultimatum. But then there's like, as you said, like I always, you know, crave McDonald's or little Caesars. And I think it's important for people to know that that doesn't have to go away for you to be successful. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Don't. I, uh, I think that, you know, people can have rewards, you know, as far as, you know, some highly pleasurable foods, but it don't have to be damaging foods that are pleasurable. You know, like if I want pizza, I can make a really delicious plant-based low-fat pizza and it tastes just as good as most other pizzas that people eat, you know. So it don't have to be so damaging for you to enjoy pleasurable foods. And that's another misconception, too, that people think they have to give up a lot of things. But it could actually be swapped out for something that's actually healthy, you know, and not damaging. So that's, I don't know, I think one thing, and I was telling somebody this, um, and I just uh, tried and tried and tried to come up with a way to put all this knowledge and uh, all these epiphanies kind of into one one uh, explanation. And uh, I told people that I felt like I was in this, this maze, this like dungeonous prison, you know, whenever I was 500 pounds and sick and couldn't walk. You feel like you're kind of imprisoned and you don't really know that there's a way out. And I always tell people that, you know, if you're chained up and you have all these chains on you, you know, these chains are the bad things that damage your body, you know, the animal products, the processed food, the drugs, the alcohol, the cigarettes, the the sugar, the flour, all that stuff. And if you can just slowly take off each one of those chains, you know, the first thing to go for me was cigarettes, and then it was alcohol, then it was caffeine, and then it was animal products, and then oils, and then, and then you know, my last couple of things were like maybe some salt and uh, processed foods. And then eventually you start, you know, on the way those chains and then once you're free from those you can kind of start working your way out of this prison and kind of start escaping and then 
you don't really want to go back to those chains anymore. Yeah, that's beautiful. I think it's, yeah. that's a very empowering metaphor for people who are, you know, who are in the process. But, you know, like, it's great to take off your chains, but if, you're, if you've taken off nine of the ten chains and there's a, st- a tenth chain and you think, gosh, mm-hmm. I haven't made the progress that I want, like, a lot of people kind of quit at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for me, you know, I also say, you know, whenever you're in that dungeon or prison, it's dark. So you need an extra boost of of help by getting those lights on. And for me, the lights were the plant-based knowledge, you know, this is bad for me. This is good for me. You know, we need nutrients versus pleasurable foods. So with all that light on and the chains gone, you, you can actually start getting out with ease, and it's not so much of a struggle. It, it, as long as you're trying to get each one of those chains off, you know, if you know that this is causing you not to progress in health, you know, if this is going to damage you or, you know, cause inflammation, you don't need those chains on you. You need to just get one off, keep it off, get another one off, and just systematically, you know, you're you're slowly getting yourself free, you know, because... You know, I didn't exercise for the first year whenever I started this this journey. So I was just eating those healthy foods and the weight loss happened. And then I kind of, you know, started becoming more active. So, you know, a lot of people start off wanting to lose a lot of weight really fast. And I think that can be dangerous too because that makes people not stick with it. And one thing that I personally said, you know, whenever I made that promise, it was not a quick fix for me. It was, I don't care if it's going to take two years, three years, five years, 20 years. It's just going to be a slow progression towards health. And uh, I think that needs to be at the forefront, too, of your mind if you're trying to get healthy. You know, it needs to be, you know, comfortable and progressive without making you feel like, oh, this is too much. You know, because if you start off day one eating carrots and lettuce and then doing P90X in another workout, well, you're going to be too tired, too fatigued to continue. And I think that's important, too. Sure. So do you mind sharing what were your main sources of light? You mentioned Forks Over Knives and the McDougal lecture. But like when you went when you went deep, what, what were the sources that you found most accessible, most convincing, and most useful? Oh, my goodness. Um, so many, <laughs> so many different sources. I mean, uh, for me, when it comes to any subject, I don't care what it is, if it's music, if it's science, if it's whatever, I'm like a research fanatic. Like, I want to know the ins and outs of everything. So I would watch, I mean, when I first learned about the plant-based lifestyle, I would research, uh, I'd go to YouTube, I'd go to Facebook, but I would, I would sit here, I, mean, I would watch, you know, conferences at like VegSource, you know, I'd watch an hour long presentation from Dr. Doug Lyle, an hour presentation of, you know, Dr. Dr. Graham or Dr. Esselstyn, you know, every single doctor that I could find out, you know, around the plant-based way, I would watch hours and hours and hours of each one and then I would try to find people who who were in the same journey as I was and luckily 
there's a big, big community out there of people who are eating this way and losing lots of weight and being active and being helpful to each other. And then luckily for me, uh, I found a guy who used to be like 460 plus pounds. Uh, his name is Jared Monismith. He's on, I found him on YouTube. And then I connected with him on Facebook and we started, you know, talking back and forth. And that was, that was just nice to know that there was somebody else out there who was really, really big. And they were doing the same thing that I started doing, but they were actually being very successful. So I think finding that community and seeing all these different people is a huge, huge help. Not only because you can see their progression and see them being successful, and that gives you hope, but you also have them to, like, ask questions to and, like, start inspiring each other to continue to be healthier. And then I'd find people like, you know, Ken Kaufman and Josh Lajani and seeing that these guys were also very big and now they're running 50-mile races and 100-mile races and marathons. And, like, that just kept me going even stronger than than when I first started. When I first started, it was just like, you know, let's, let's just do this, but, you know, you don't really have a, a, a plan. You just wanted to, you know, lose weight. But then... It's like, well, I kind of want to be like, you know, those guys, those guys who've lost 200 pounds, those guys who are running these marathons or riding their bike thousands of miles across states, you know? You just, uh, I think connecting with the community is really, really big. And, uh, yeah, I love those guys for it. (laughs) So when you started, you were on crutches, you had uh, lymphedema, um, all sorts of tendonitis. When when did you start thinking about, okay, maybe it's time to start moving to, to become a little bit athletic? Yeah, well, um, luckily, after after going plant-based, like immediately the tendonitis would, would just, it wasn't an issue. Like I'd wake up and like I could walk without crutches. And I was like, that's great, you know? I was actually just waiting for it to, recur uh, i was just you know because it was inevitable for me i thought that was just going to happen someday that i was just going to wake up with foot pain again but it just never happened again and then you know my leg wouldn't swell anymore and uh being active really came later you know i was always kind of a a hiker like me and friends would uh we'd go mushroom hunting we you know we like morel mushrooms and chanterelles and we you know we, we pick wild mushrooms and it was always a very hard task for me to walk up and down hills out in the woods. But uh, after losing about 150 pounds-ish, I started to get way more active, and I started doing way more hiking. And as far as more activity, I did a lot of walking, like on breaks at work. I'd do like, you know, just five minutes of walking, and I'd go on a walk with my mom. Or Pretty much it started off really slow. And luckily, a new gym in town opened up, and I got a membership, and I started swimming. I was, mainly what I did at the beginning was swim. But before the gym opened up, I was uh, really big on the exercise bike. I would My thing was getting on that exercise bike, watching uh, an hour-long concert or something from a band, and just riding, ride the bike the whole duration of the concert. And just, you know, for me, it was just rocking out, <laughs> enjoying the time and burning the calories, and it helped, you know, it helped me move, it helped me get 
my circulation going, it helped me get the, the muscles, you know, getting active. So that, with the hiking and the swimming, it really projected me into running, which, you know, people like Josh Ajani and Tim Kaufman and all these people who are running now, Bobby Brennan, another guy who's lost a tremendous amount of weight, you know, he just, I think he just ran his first half marathon recently. And all this stuff really inspired me to, to run. And so I started running for five minutes. And I thought that was the most incredible thing, running five minutes without stopping. And uh, I just kept on, everything just kept on getting better and better and better. You know, I ran my first mile without stopping. I thought that was ridiculous. I didn't even know what to think at the time. And then I ran my first 5K without stopping. And then my first 10K without stopping. And just the other day, I ran eight miles without stopping. And, (laughs) you know, I run about five miles plus every day. And I hope, I just hope to keep on making those numbers go up and uh, hopefully it gets easier and easier. And I mean, I just keep on wanting to push myself and I think the activity level is just starting for me. So, which is kind of cool. That's, that's, that's so great. So I'm, I'm curious, like what were your favorite band concerts to exercise to? <laughs> Everything. I would listen to uh, Led Zeppelin. Uh, I listen to some Aerosmith. I listen to old Beatles concerts. Um, you name it, I probably listen to it. Uh, a lot of seventies rock, eighties, nineties, some Pearl Jam. <laughs> um, yeah, I did a lot of different stuff. But it was fun, you know. It, exercise doesn't need, you know, it doesn't have to be boring. You know, you can, you can, you know, if you can go to a concert and dance for an hour, then that's an hour of exercise, and that's kind of the way I looked at riding a bike or. Or, or whatever I was doing, you know, I just wanted to rock out for an hour and have fun, and there's my hour workout, you know. I can picture some uh, entrepreneur, you know, renting out the L.A. Coliseum and 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 um, installing like ten thousand <laughs> exercise bikes and treadmills and uh, ellipticals. Hey, I had the exact same thoughts when I was doing it myself. I was like, man, this would actually be a pretty good idea. <laughs> Awesome. So I saw on Facebook that you you set like a um, a mileage goal for yourself for this month. Yeah. Tell me how you think about yeah. like you know get setting goals, doing more and more. What's what's your what's your um, protocol? I think it's just spontaneous, really. You know, these days it's like it's it's almost like somebody gave me a brand new ability. It's like it's like a, it's like somebody gave me a new sports bike for Christmas, and they're like, "Here!" And now it's like it's up to me to go have fun with it. So now it's like I have this new body that's able to move, and that's full of energy. So for me, I'm like, "Hey, let's let's run a hundred miles in December," or "Hey, let's let's train for a half marathon." Or it's I just think that it's cool that I'm able to do these things. I think it's a, a big gratitude thing. You know, I'm, I'm thankful that I'm able to do these. So I'm just like, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> you know? So one of the things that Josh Lajani has really taught me is the importance of suffering a little bit while you're exercising. Right. To, yeah. to, to kind of get you out of your comfort zone, to make it easier to withstand other temptations. What's, what has your experience been with, with, with that, with pushing yourself to the point where some part of your brain says, okay, Justin, that's enough. We, let's, let's take it easy. <laughs> and, and then yeah, just, I, I think that's, 
Yeah, I was going to say that's that's important. Uh, that's really, really important to not get in a comfort zone because whenever you first start out, you know, if, if, if I got in my comfort zone of running five minutes without stopping and I never exceeded that comfort zone, then growth can't happen. I think growth really happens in those uncomfortable times you know, of when you're you're trying to expand your ability to do things. You know, whenever you run that first mile, you think, wow, you know, that wasn't easy. But then you do it again, and it gets easier. And then you can't just keep doing that because you kind of want to keep growing. And it's not easy every time that you hit a, a, a time PR or a distance PR. You, you just you know that it's going to be a little bit more difficult than the last time. But that's actually what kind of keeps you going is – Hey, I've overcome this. I've overcome that. Let's keep let's keep getting that bubble of comfort bigger, and that's that's just beneficial for all all aspects of your life, really. You know. Can you give me an example? How how has that helped you outside of uh, you know food food and exercise? Well, I think you know, like for a while, I wasn't really. I was always pretty sociable, you know. I was always pretty popular. I'd throw parties and hang out with people. But for for a long time, I was kind of, you know, shut down. I was kind of like a hermit for probably two to three years. I didn't really see many people at all because, well, my health. But uh, I think I like pushing myself to be more more sociable these days. I think that uh, that kind of helps. Um, I think being inspirational for others has uh is a new thing for me and it's not like i try it's just kind of people kind of get my story and then it's like well hey i actually can help a few people with my story so it kind of helps me help others you know because mm. for me you know helping others isn't it's kind of scary because you're saying hey i i i can help you it's kind of like a lot of pressure on me so i kind of get outside my comfort zone and say, yeah, you know what? Maybe I can do this for others, you know? Mm, beautiful. So what are, what are your um, tentative goals for 2017? Oh, man. I uh, Well, first thing is, uh, I mean, it's not the very first thing I'm going to do, but in June of uh, 2017, I'm running... Uh, the heavy half marathon in Leadville, Colorado, um, with Tim Kaufman and Josh Lajani and uh, Jason Cohen, who's also lost a great deal of weight, and uh, we're all running that together out there. And uh, all, th- all three, I plan on just all three of them have been guests on this podcast, so maybe I should come out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, which is awesome. Um, but uh, yeah, we're all running that, and uh, I plan on just running a whole lot. Uh, I'm probably going to start picking up more swimming again because uh, I liked it when I were to swim, but I kind of just do nothing but running these days. Mm. But uh, I want to—I I do want to do more half marathons, and I'd like to hit some full marathons, and maybe even towards the end of the year, I'd like to start training for maybe my first ultra. And I know it's kind of really early for me to say that, but there's something saying that like. I'm going to do that, you know? It's like, <laughs> that is what I really want to do is at least do it, you know? It, maybe not as like a life lifelong 
insane, but just to know that I can is really cool. So I think for me, it's just a, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. I'm going to keep progressing in. Well, I think my health is, is pretty great as far as what I'm doing is what I'm eating. But my activity level, I'm just going to keep pushing, you know, harder and further and faster. And uh, just keep growing, you know, physically and mentally. And So, yeah, and I, I hope to continue that, you know, past 2017. Now, I, I know that, uh, that weight is, no, is not your goal or really focus anymore, but for folks you know, who who are still at that stage. And, you know, one of the reasons we're talking is that you used to weigh 500 pounds. So, you know, so kind of, yeah. it's good marketing. It's a good story. Where do you, yeah. where do you see your ideal weight? Um, I'm thinking, I'm thinking around 200. Um, I really don't know. I just, uh, you know, I, I think it's pretty cool because uh, for a while recently, I've been wanting to like reach 250. Because, you know, that's like a halfway point. It's like I've lost half my body weight. Uh-huh. And uh, just uh, two days ago, I stepped on the scale and it said 249. So I thought that was really awesome. And uh, But I think I think around 200, you know, for me, I don't really know where I'm going to be at and, you know, where my good body weight's going to be. As long as I don't have excess body weight or health issues, that's that's my goal. You know, for me... I was all about health, but now the body weight for me, I just want to be able to be lighter so I can run more, Like, <laughs> which is weird because I never in a million years would have thought that I would have been thinking that way. But, yeah, I would I would like to get the weight off so my feet are able to move better. <laughs> yeah, once it becomes a performance issue, you know, I'm thinking about, like, yeah, you know, guys who will spend, like, $900 on a golf club because it'll, you know, take off two strokes on 18 rounds. Yeah. Like what, once it becomes like a hack, like, wow, if I'm 10 pounds yeah. faster, I can run a mile a minute faster. <laughs> like yeah. Somehow that's, that, that's, I don't understand exactly why, but it's like a lot more motivating than, well, I'll, I'll live 10 years longer and I won't have erectile dysfunction. Yeah. <laughs> chronic migraine. Yeah, it is weird. But every little bit that helps, I'm all in, you know, every, every, everything helps. So, yeah. Well, I think maybe it's partly, you know, what a lesson that I that I get from your story is as long as you were running away from something, as long as you were trying to avoid being obese, it didn't really stick. It's only when you yeah. chose a positive goal at first, just health and then increasing levels of performance, you know, or you know, a cleaner yeah. diet. When you started chasing the positive. That's motivating. It's like you, you run away from bad things only to the point where they're not going to keep like chasing you, but you run to the good yeah. things until you get them. Yeah, I think I think uh, another thing that's been very helpful for me is I've always kind of looked at this whole thing like a fun game. Like, you know, uh, instead of moving up, I was kind of moving down. You know, as far as you know, I started out at level five hundred, <laughs> and uh, you know, the closer I get to a lower number, then and I'm being successful at the game. And, uh, you know, the tools that help me do that, you know, are eating right and exercising. So I think uh, instead of, for me, at, at the beginning, instead of running away from the bad stuff, I was like turning around and just flying right into it, you know. Like I, I was like expecting, you know, these temptations and like these cheeseburger picturesque things flying at me. But like 
I'm going towards it and they're flying at me and I'm just knocking them out of the way, you know, like <laughs> I really wanted to just, you know, face it full on, you know, I didn't want to, to half ass anything, you know? So yeah, my, my, my so I really, visual is like cheeseburger space invaders. <laughs> yeah. I'm singing a song right now. In my head. <laughs> That's great. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful because it's yeah. it's 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 kind of a warrior spirit. That as a, yeah, and I as a I really victim. yeah I do have that mentality. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I'm just. Uh, I mean, that's that that's a kind of a beautiful turnaround. That these these things. I was listening to a, to a podcast yesterday. My friend Peter Bregman was interviewing Kelly McGonigal, who's a Stanford. A lecturer and researcher who wrote a book on the upside of stress, and they have this beautiful distinction in words, where instead of like because of, they they then say so that, so like you get stressed. I got stressed because my boss yelled at me, but now we say so that I got stressed. Like my body had this set of physiological reactions, so that I can focus better, so that I can make a change in my career, so that, and. Yeah. So like these cheeseburgers are coming at me and not because, you know, like, yeah, it's because this society is screwed up and we have terrible diets and um, financial incentives to get people sick. But they're coming at me on a personal level so that I can exercise my willpower and my commitment and my warrior spirit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's 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 very well, well put. And I think you kind of have to have that warrior-esque approach to it, you know, because it's a battle, you know, whenever you're trying to do stuff that maybe your body's not able to do, you know, you have to say, no matter what it takes, if I have to fall down a whole lot, I'm going to keep on fighting because that's what I want, you know, I want to be healthy, you know, no matter what it takes, you know, from the very beginning, that was the whole the whole first stand that I, I made to myself and you just have to always just keep that warrior, you know, inside you just, you can't stop, you know, no matter what. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty awesome. Um, Justin, I'm so happy we had this conversation. I'm so, I'm inspired to do better myself. Um, should, you know, there's, there's areas of my own diet that, I think I sort of, you know, noodle around the edges a little bit, but with your, um, with your, with your clarion call, with your really clear words, I feel very empowered to look closely at those and to, to continue my own, you know, daily and weekly journeys into the discomfort zone. And I know, I know there are thousands of people who are going to listen to this, who are going to be inspired to make some big changes in their own lives. So, uh, Justin Lee, yeah. thank you so much for your journey, for your wisdom, for your courage, and for taking the time today. Yeah, and you're so welcome. You know, that's uh, one thing that I'm really happy about is being able to share my story. Because without people sharing their story, you know, I don't know if I'd be where I'm at today. You know, people like Joshua Johnny, Jared Monismith, Tim Kaufman, them, them doing what they did had an effect on me continuing to be better and better every day so being able to share and help others that's that's definitely 
one thing that keeps me going, and uh, I love it, man. Beautiful. Well, I'm 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 honored to be a part of uh, sharing your story, and I look forward to following it and uh, you know reading and learning and being inspired by many more chapters to come. Yeah, man. I really really appreciate it. All right. Take care. If you enjoyed this episode of the Plant Yourself podcast, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. They really help. The Big Change Program is now closed, but you can still go to bigchangeprogram.com and sign up for the test drive. We'll probably be opening up again sometime in the spring, and why not get started? The test drive is not marketing material. It's your very own home study version of the Big Change Program, and people have been raving about just the, the free test drive, the, the changes they've already been making. So if you haven't made it into this run, this bobsled run starting in January 2017, you can be notified when we open it up again and start taking advantage of that big change program test drive. Be sure to check out the show notes for today's episode with links to everything we talked about at plantyourself.com slash 193. If you're new to the show, you can catch up on 192 archived episodes. Gosh, that's a lot over at plantyourself.com. And if you get the podcast, but not the email newsletter, you can get that at plantyourself.com as well. Today's show is sponsored by sleep. Are you tired? Are you lacking energy? Are you lacking focus? Are you fatigued and nervous? Then try sleep. It's a new technology where you lie down and close your eyes and your brain actually gets to rewire and cleans out junk and it's a safe and effective alternative to lots and lots of pharmaceutical drugs so if you're not sure ask your doctor about sleep thanks also to plant yourself podcast patrons kim harrison lynn mcclellan anthony disson Brittany porter dominic marrow barbara whitney tammy black amy good amanda hatherley mary jane wheeler pause for breath Ellen Kennelly, Melissa Cobb, Rachel Behrens, Christine Nielsen, Tina Scharf, Tina Ahern, Jen Vilkanovsky, David Bizek, Michelle X, the ever-mysterious, Elspeth Feldman, Victoria Dolomanova, Leah Stoller, Alan Christensen, Colleen Peck, Michelle Landry, Josina, Julianne Rowland, Stu Dolnick, Sarah Durkis, Rhymes with Circus, Kelly Cameron, Wayne Pedersen, Leanne Peterson, Janet Selby, Claire Adams, and Tom Franzak for your generous support of the podcast. Thanks also to Will Ridenauer for allowing me to use his beautiful song, Sabali Don, The Dance of Peace. You can find more of Will's music at his website. Websout. You can find more of Will's music at his website. Well, well, wait to food. <laughs> Just go to willridenauer.com, all right? It's good stuff. If you'd like to support the show, you can share this and other episodes on social media and via email. You can write that review on iTunes, the aforementioned. And you can become a patron by pledging a one-time amount or ongoing gift to the podcast over at plantyourself.com. This would be a great time to make a, uh, a pledge to the podcast. If you're a longtime listener and maybe you've been through a couple of uh, public radio pledge drives, you know this one lasts about eight seconds a week, but uh, hopefully it will have the same effect. It will help me uh, upgrade equipment, spend more time on the podcast, and, and, and grow the message. So um, there's me begging. All right. In garden news, surprise, surprise, after our really, really cold snap down to five Fahrenheit, everything's dead except the kale. Russian kale, regular kale, curly kale. All the kale is like, dude, bring it on. 
And it turns out when I went out to harvest the other day, it was sweeter than I've ever tasted kale. It did not need dressing or sauce or anything. It, uh, it got hardened up by the cold. And I have a feeling that's a lesson for all of us. Um, I'm spending a lot of time right now thinking about cold and exposing myself to cold. And it's something that I've always hated. Cold has always been one of the things that I would try to avoid in life. And actually, I'm preparing um, for next week an interview with an author, Scott Carney, who wrote a book about cold, in part, called What Doesn't Kill Us. And it's got amazing data about the benefits of cold therapy, ice baths, swimming in frozen rivers, um, cold showers, what I do, pouring 10 gallons of very, very cold water over my body in the morning. Man, the science is compelling. And um, so the kale shows us that we can become better, stronger, sweeter if we expose ourselves to, among the other elements, a little bit of cold every once in a while. In running news, I did my 23-miler. So now in preparation for my marathon, I've got the 26-miler and a 29-miler to go and then taper. And man, I did not go fast enough. I managed to come in at a 9.12 pace, uh, but in order to Boston qualify, that needs to be an eight-minute pace for 26 miles. So I don't know if it's going to happen, but but I'm going to keep trying. And that's it for this week. So as always, be well, my friends.